Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher, tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us with Pastor Matt. What's up, man? Your voice, you sound a little sick. I've, I've been sick for two weeks. I live and I will continue to do things. <laughs> but I'm tired a lot. <clears throat> yeah, it's been rough, man. I think I started with a cold. Then I'm pretty sure I got COVID. Yeah, but if you didn't get tested, that mean you didn't have it. It didn't happen. That's and right. I've not had a fever either, so it's been it's been really weird. But That's weird. It's, it's happens to me like every year for the past four years. I have been on a uh, Mucinex D Dayquil Nyquil regimen for the past like week. Yeah, I've been doing the Mucinex. <laughs> I haven't messed with Dayquil. So. Oh man, the other night I had the best night of my life, sleeping wise. Like I had Nyquil, and I had discovered these new chewy tums that have uh, <laughs> what's that uh, like herbal thing? It makes you sleep. And not it's legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there are other things that are legal that you shouldn't have to. Well, they, yeah, but, that's true. What's uh, that? It starts with an M. Oh, melatonin. Melatonin. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's herbal. Okay. Well, whatever. Cam- I think. Is. Oh, that's what I was thinking of, but that's not what was in the. Yeah. 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 It, I I hit the pillow at ten forty eight, and I woke up at six on the dot. Nope. I woke up every was, hour last night. I was done. Every hour, either from coughing or from other parts of growing older and drinking a lot of water before bedtime. So, yeah, it's been pretty rough. It's exciting, uh, though. So, yeah, I'm here. Um, I did not get to listen to this sermon, just like last week, so I'm an unreliable interviewer. Um, and instead of having crust to chew on, we had Joe's Pizza last night, so there's no crust, and that was nice. Yeah. Um, I like Joe's Pizza. It's good stuff. Yeah, so this week was uh, titled A Life of Sacrifice from Hebrews 13, 15, 19. taking us down to the end of Hebrews. Uh, this is a passage, particularly verse 17, of course, that we've, by nature of ministry, had to hit a lot uh, over the past 13, 14 years. Um, and I know a lot of that came out yesterday from what I saw. Um, but one thing that I appreciate about your, I haven't listened to your sermon, but read through your notes, Um is something that I was talking with my kids about yesterday as we worked through this passage. Um, and, and that's your title is life of sacrifice. I, I think, and we're going to get into this here in a minute, but the biggest issue on this is not what he's telling us to do. It's the fact that he's saying it's going to cost you something. Yeah. We're not upset about obeying. We're not upset about praising. We're not upset about, you know, being honorable, all these things. We're upset that it's going to cost us something. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that keeping that as a forefront, for all of this application, uh, just really comes straight down the middle. So, so as I was talking to my kids too about this aspect of it being costly, um, I even took this first one a, a little bit different direction of saying because uh, he says it's the the lips uh, with praise on the lips. Uh, I was like, I told the kids, I was like, we are always praising something, we're always doing something in the name of something. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for us or whether it's for King and Country or whether it's you know for God, not the so, band. We, yeah. It was a Sorry. little bit of a play on the words. Uh, that's an inside joke. <clears throat> Anyways, we're always doing something in the name of something. Uh, and so everything that we do is going to be oriented around us or God, typically. Uh, and so you had, and, and, but you took it with 
parts of that, but then into the aspects of like even when things go bad. Yeah, it's easy to do it when it's easy to praise King Country when he's on your side. Yeah, when the right colors in the White House, you know. Yeah. Well, my you know my thoughts were. Uh, when, whenever I'm preaching anything, I, I, I try to think like, what is the biggest um, uh, struggle that's going to be the most common across the hearers? Yeah. And I think sitting down like with your girls, the the idea of them learning um, uh, that you're going to you're going to be praising something all the time is is super ap- applicable for them. <clears throat> I think our church, by and large, understands that point, mm-hmm. at least the adults. Um, but what we will miss here very quickly is praise that's costly. Yeah. And and, and I'm not going to rehash all of it that I worked through, but it we don't think of praise as coming from any kind of costly position mm-hmm. or frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that I think most of us think of as an emotional response, a, a emotionally driven physical response to a delightful cir- circumstance or a delightful if the, if the thought. If band was better, I could worship better. I'd have more to give. That's right. That's right. If they would just sing songs that were, you know, more my age or if they would, you know. So when when it comes to a sacrifice of praise, that's uh, that is... Um, the way I described it was um, ascribing back to God in a in a way that like I I love this like I believe this more so I'm saying the reason I gave that caveat it's more than just verbalizing something about God but it's actually verbalizing something you actually believe yeah right so that's what I meant like in a gratuitous uh, affirming affectionate posture. That, like it's, it's like Holy Spirit generated. Yeah. So this uh, is true of God, and it's something God has said about Himself, right? So it can't be a slew of these other things. So, but but it's in the midst of then un undesirable circumstances, yeah. at least from our human perspective. I think if we saw it from God's perspective, we would not uh, say the circumstances were good, but they would seem more desirable if we could see it from God's perspective. Sure. But nevertheless, here we are as humans in undesirable circumstances, and we're called to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. And so, like, an example I was thinking from my own life recently was, I mean, we just had baby number six. And uh, if you've, I don't know how many people who are listening have had baby number six, but uh, baby number six is one thing. Baby number six after going five years without a baby is another thing. Uh, relearning. I mean, some of it's, I mean, thankfully for Sarah, particularly, it's been like uh, uh, riding a bike and she's kind of got back on. And But we are still asking questions like, oh, is this normal? Is this way it's supposed to be? And, you know, and, um, and like just, there's been many things. I don't want to, I don't want to decry the past five weeks because the past five weeks have been awesome in so many ways. But there's also been things that have not been preferable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if you to some people these these things that are not preferable to me to other people may not be that big of a deal but if you understand me uh and my proclivities you understand why these kinds of things are a big deal yeah. so for example not having like not loving my wife's time and energy being dominated by a child 
so if you know me and 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 our household like that's a really big deal you know my my wife's a big part of every aspect of of our daily lives and so her time being uh, really swallowed up by an infant where she's isolated to a couch or a chair or or she's trying to make up sleep because you know uh, she was up in the middle of the night Th- those are big deals that's that's not ideal um, in in my normal frame or desires uh, I don't love our family rhythms being out of whack and who's getting up when and and what chores we have here and it just it's not preferable I, and I don't love Sarah and I both getting less sleep, although she is getting much less sleep than me. I will, uh, to, you know, to be clear here. <clears throat> but you know, this time around, the baby is in our bedroom, um, and uh, which is different than our other five. So, anyways, all to say, the question is like, am I in those moments? And I'm not just thinking like, like right now, it's easy for me to say, all right, God, I praise you for this. That's that's fantastic. But but what about the moment when Sarah and I? are not quite on the same page and it's the moment is frustrating. Um, and it's in the middle of the circumstance in that moment. Am I, is my proclivity to offer up a sacrifice of price is to say, God, but you're good. It's when you say, Alexa, play praise you in the storm by casting crowns. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Tear into it right there. No, I want to play as like when the thunder rolls, you know, like (laughs) I don't like this. Uh, but yeah, I, I and I, I think from there, what many of us do though is at best is just try to survive and move on. Mm-hmm. Like we just, I'm just going to get through this. I'm going to get to the weekend. I'm just going to get over this and and do the next thing. Um, when that's our call is not to survive. Our call is to offer up a sacrifice of praise. And I think our I think our people would be surprised at even practically how helpful that is when you are genuinely offering up a sacrifice of praise, what kind of joy comes from that? Absolutely. Like it's a joy infusing reality, um, clarifying to offer up a truth about God in an affectionate way in the midst of adverse conditions. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it feeds more into even our, our mission of helping people know, love and obey Jesus. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I start some counseling usually with people. We kind of deal with uh, immediate issues um, just to help, you know, triage it down a little bit. But then I start, you know, investigating how well they really know God. And we look at like the attributes of God and they have no idea. Yeah really anything about what the scripture says about who God is. And so to uh, really love someone, you need to know them. Yeah. So in those moments, as you reach back and, and kind of remind yourself, yeah, to me, some of that screams of what I've been looking at in some other areas lately uh, of like the, the fight or flight aspect or the freeze freeze is one that usually doesn't get included. It's when your body's trying to both fight and flight at the same time and you kind of just get stuck. Uh, but it's in those moments you uh, you read about people who experience that freeze aspect, and you know for them it feels like an eternity, but it, it's like six seconds. <laughs> but it's time for them to stop, take a deep breath, say, "Nope, I've, I've trained for this. I know this. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. This is what is true," 
and then you kick back into your level of training. So it's in that same kind of thing where you think of the difficult stressors of, of life where you say, no, I know this is true. And yeah. You offer that praise to God and it resets you and you yeah. go forward. And yeah. and yeah, and not just in grumpiness or bitterness, but in joy. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, a, that's right. a big deal. That's right. If, and if you, that's the thing, if you don't respond with a sacrifice of praise, then what's going to happen is your uh, likely your feelings and to some measure your thoughts about like how you're understanding the situation or in response to the situation um, are going to get lodged into your soul and become the dominant interpreting lens. So for no. so, so for the for example is you know the situation's bad and all all that was left to kind of reign in your heart was discontentment mm-hmm. or, or disgruntledness or uh, unhappiness, you know, bitterness. Um, even if you weren't like consciously thinking, "Oh, I'm bitter," but like a subtle disgruntledness with what's happening, and and then let's say you all you do is just try to survive and get through it. Well, that that subtle disgruntledness has lodged itself into your soul. So what do you think is going to happen the next time? Well, what's going to happen is that disgruntledness now has a foothold mm. and that bitterness has already some mileage on your heart that now, instead of going from zero to five miles on the journey, you're starting at five and now your bitterness is going to go from the fifth mile marker to the 10th mile marker. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to keep compounding and compounding and compounding. So that's why when one of the things you're doing when you're offering up a sacrifice of praise is, is you are saying to the circumstance, to yourself particularly, and ultimately to God, but to yourself particularly, that I'm going to interpret this the way God has told me to interpret this situation, mm-hmm. which is going to then dislodge or protect from those ill thoughts that are sin like bitterness and discontentment yeah and so to call that a sacrifice my question is what does that really cost you yeah death to your plan yep 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 yeah well let's move into i guess the more fiery aspect and that's the obey and submit to your leaders that was trigger warning um sorry i guess that was late my bad i'm not really sure how that works uh yeah, you're supposed to say trigger warning or trigger coming. Yeah, trigger You can turn coming. off if you want to right now. No, oh, sorry. That's not how guns work. Um, so this picture of uh, oppressiveness that is necessarily tied to this passage, where does that come from? The what? This picture of oppressiveness that uh, authority is always oppressive, that the only people who would remotely choose to talk about this passage must be those ones who are power hungry. Um, all that. Yeah, it it comes from um, a world that does not like to be told what to do. <coughs> and it comes from a culture that's developed an ideology uh, used not to rid itself of oppressive and abusive leaders, but to exchange from one abusive leader to the next yes so yeah the uh and all they had to do was create a system of doubt 
towards all authority mm-hmm. and then let that ride for a little while and sneak in like white knights and say, oh, well, but we understand you and, and we're here for your good. And then all of a sudden... And here's the agenda. Yep. And then all of a sudden these people uh, will start following this leadership. Yeah. So, again, that's not to mean there's not oppressive people out there and people in authority. There certainly is. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I think Biden's one of those. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That was one of the things that you, you had, uh, pushed into there is talking about how the people who actually neglect the inst- right instruction of a passage like this are actually the abusive ones. And that sounds a little crazy, probably, to your average person. Yeah. How can someone who would you know, not use this or downplay it actually be abusive? Um, ab- abuse at its root is using your power. Uh, and, uh, abuse in the context of power and authority would be using your power to serve yourself mm-hmm. for your own good. So what's happened is the is the acceptable sorry the unacceptable abuse of power is uh aggressive exertion of power anything that looks just like that anything anything that resembles that rather the acceptable form of abuse is passive wimpy if you were really powerful you wouldn't have to use your power oh yes i have heard that i uh, yeah the exact phrase was uh uh, that that I heard was well, you wouldn't need veto power if you were good enough of a leader, yeah. right? Um, Thomas Jefferson disagrees. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, which this particular person has lots of veto power. Um, it just wasn't written down on paper. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. So the the wimpy, let's say the we'll talk about pastors here, are, are the ones that that don't say what need to be said. Those are the ones that are just serving themselves as well. So the answer cannot be like, is this abusive? Cannot be in the the method or the style or the presentation of the the truth. It's it's in the what were the motives behind it? Um, were they seeking to serve themselves or were they seeking to do what's best for that other person? Because sometimes what's best for that other person is not saying something and just let them meet their demise. Like sometimes that's best. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes it's best to, to, to be quiet. But sometimes it's best to say something, uh, to speak up. Sometimes it's best to preach a whole sermon on Hebrews thirteen seventeen, with no caveats. Sometimes it's not. But, but the, that shows you the, the unreasonableness of the ideology shows us its illegitimacy. Um, meaning, like, it's, it's not equal weights and measures Mm. it's not appropriate weights and measures yeah and i think too another component of that is that they have divorced it from hebrews 13 7 of taking measure of their way of life and evaluating the outcome right Mm -hmm. and and emulating their faith so uh, typically in these and these actually abusive ones they're not walking out what they say Uh, they're living the opposite and so they have to then demand it yeah, or find other ways to get it because they're not doing verse seven. Yeah, I would, you know, just from my observation, um, depending on who you talk to, whether or not they'd agree with me, I think there are more pastors, more leaders in general that fall into the abusive category 
that are wimpy, passive, effeminate than there are pastors and leaders who are in the aggressive, uh, abusive side of things. I 100% disagree, agree because it's not just in pastors. We see this even in husbands, fathers. Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's true, yeah. I would say because most households mm-hmm. are in the one category, not the domineering, aggressive yeah, I mean, category. There's that caricature of the 1950s you know, dad who's overbearing and blah, blah, blah. And it's not to discount people who had horrible fathers, uh, as I know that that's a pretty real thing. Uh, but particularly in an age where fatherlessness is more the norm. Yes. And then the ones that are there are essentially fatherless in their absence. Uh, you, you have this effeminacy there in those dads and husbands uh, who are abusive by neglect. Yeah, which is going to naturally carry over into the, the church's pastor, leadership. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So I think the next thing I wanted to talk about was so I, I use the example, what does it mean to obey and submit? Well, at the very least, it means that when you engage them, you should come into it with a humble, teachable, correctable, guidable spirit. But what I don't, what I didn't want to communicate or leave off, uh, I guess let me back up. I, I, what I don't want to communicate is that Every time you are going to make some kind of life decision that you have to come talk to a pastor. Like, I don't want that, that misconception to be out there. because Not because I don't want the misconception. I, I'm fine with misconceptions. They happen with me all the time. But uh, what I don't want to happen, though, is for people to miss out on the heart of it, which is, is um when you're in that situation, you should hearken back to, you should remember what have I been instructed. Um, this has played out in my life many times and, and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about as soon as I mention it. But, um, you know, early on in ministry, uh, you know, at, here at renovation, particularly in the years that followed my grandpa's death, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you and I had many conversations where we're like, well, well, what would Ron what would Ron instruct us to do? You know, what would be his counsel? What would be his advice? Um, and is that good? And should we do that? Well, that's that's what I'm talking about here. Like, I couldn't go to him to talk, but I could remember everything that I was taught. Yeah, that was ongoing practice of something that we were doing while he was still here. Like, he would give you counsel or advice. Yeah. Say, hey, I talked to my grandpa, and he's just this. And we say, well, is that good counsel? Is that good advice? What would you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we just continue that, yeah. So that's the thing here is like you don't have to, you know. Hopefully, you've you've been taught, you've been paid, you've paid attention, and and then you can go work through it mm-hmm. and enact it. I mean, just you gotta be careful because there might be something you're not thinking of, and uh, you know, and our hearts are deceptive. You know, so you gotta be careful there. But but it doesn't. I just I just don't want people to think, ooh, I you know, I got to go talk to a pastor every time I need to work through some major life decision or something crazy like that. Like, um, so yeah, there you go. Any thoughts on that? No, I think that's it, spot on. I, I saw in your sermon how we don't particularly care where you go for lunch. As long as you, as long as you don't eat, go to Burger King or McDonald's eat. I like Burger King. <laughs> you know, it's funny as I, I eat both of those places on super rare occasions, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I usually don't want to feel terrible the rest of the day. So. Exactly, it's a decision. It was like this. This 
that's me with concrete, man. Like if I, I love biscuits and gravy, but I'm making a conscious decision that this is the end of the day. <laughs> I'm putting lead weight in my belly for yeah. the rest of the day. So is this the last thing? Is this a question someone wrote in? Yeah, yeah. So we, we had a, a write-in question yeah. uh, for uh, today's uh, episode. So the question is this. Does sacrifice have to be emotionally costly, or can there be a right sacrifice that is just costly in one realm, a.k.a. physically costly, financially costly, mentally, etc.? I'm wondering because in the Christian life, as we are sanctified, giving everything we are to the Lord should be increasingly joyful. And our hands should become increasingly more open with what he's given, whether time, money, energy, abilities to take on responsibilities, uh, etc. I think that's a, that's a fan, fantastic. Great question. Uh, fantastic question. I think one of the things I would say at the beginning... You know why I knew someone wrote that in? There were no red squiggly lines under any of it. <laughs> How do you know I didn't retype their question <laughs> you know, because they were saying it to me? Oh, I love you. Come on. I did copy and paste it in there. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Hush. Spot sacrifice. <laughs> trying to decipher your and Jeff's typing. Uh, you no, know, a, just just know this. Every time you read my writings, it could be worse. <laughs> I'm aware. I know I, how you've grown. Your pastors change over time, as you said. Yes. <laughs> I will start writing worse just for you, Russ. <laughs> I will have a Russ version. <laughs> no, yeah, this, there you go. So a it's a great, question. it's a great question. Um, I I think the first thing I would want to say is, um. Emotions can can be multi-layered. So I think in a given situation, first of all, it's not a w- one or the other. Yeah. So you could be both joyful and um, em- emotionally wiped, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, you're losing um, a loved one. You can be both joyful for them. But also grieving. I think right? that's a uniquely Christian experience. I think yes. it's only a Christian experience. Yes, but I, but I 100 percent agree. Yeah, yeah. So and you that's hold what both makes those. It so supernatural. Yeah. So I think there's still room that even as you are sanctified more and more, and your joy in giving and sacrificing increases, mm-hmm. that you still could have uh, an emotional uh, toll that's being sacrificed as well. Yeah. Um, and that be totally right, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus grieved over Jerusalem, right? And that was good and right that he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was grieving in the garden, and it was good and right that he was doing that. So, so there are uh, emotional aspects that are going along with this. <laughs> now, the cup would now, pass. <laughs> now, if it's emotions that are coming from sin, yeah. right? Then yes, those should increasingly uh shrink and Lord willing become non-existent. Mm-hmm. So um maybe like the emotional mm, like like anxiousness that comes with well if I give this money to so and so and sacrifice, 
what I'm going to sacrifice maybe is my feeling of security, right? Because I've got that nest egg and, and I, so now my, na- my sinful proclivity there would be to fruit in the emotion of, of anxiousness. Um, that should shrink as you're sanctified such that you could and should get to a point where the Lord says, hey, I want you to give of a sacrifice a portion of your income, sacrifice a portion of your financial security, and give of that and be joyful about it, because now you're further down the road, sanctified. And yes, it should at some point, Lord willing, be true that then there may be no emotional toll. On yeah, so you don't get credit for having a sinful response <laughs> and overcoming it. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. So if if it's an emotional toll that's a result of sin, yeah. that's not a sacrifice being a sacrifice of praise no. being offered. Um, that's you having a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. You no, that's true. You don't that's get true. credit for that. So I think you know the short answer is: is there? Um, you know, should you, as you become increasingly joyful in your obedience to the Lord, do you have to, does there have to be any, emo- does it have to be emotionally costly? I say no. Um, and in some cases it shouldn't be emotionally costly and it's a sign of sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are circumstances where it could be emotionally costly and it's not sin. Yeah. So I, I, I hope that, I hope that answers that question. Cause I get a little wary over the relativity of emotions um, for for the reasons that you already outlined. And because I think there's an aspect of this that's going to happen on the other side of the day where that will be clear, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, I think the emotions will switch to joy uh, specifically. Uh, but then there's also that in the meantime challenge that your pastors can give you and be like, well, are you sure you're being challenged enough? Go, uh, go sell everything. <laughs> we can keep raising the bar is that the problem <laughs> just need a higher bar so no very encouraged I think you should be encouraged by as you grow in those fruits of the spirit the other fruits of the spirit will open up too yeah he, and so you'll see that be consistent across the board yeah you know let me end on this in the in the thing that or in the sermon and from the passage about making it a joy for those who lead you like this question and the message around it yeah. that was sent along with it um, was um, super encouraging to me mm-hmm. and just brought a lot of joy because uh, what I saw was A, someone who was just thankful. I see someone who's growing. Um, I see someone who is trying to apply what they've been taught and they're like, hey, hey I kind of see this little um, this little piece here. How do I, how do I think through that, you know, and, and help me work through that. And I and like that, doing this stuff so much. Can you help me do it in a way I won't like it so much? <laughs> yeah. So I just, I'm so thankful, um, for that. And just mm-hmm. say, this is an example of what I was talking about in my sermon, just shy of dedicating your firstborn child to <laughs> us. So I was going to ask if you actually said it. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually say that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully people don't need the caveat. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. This passage, man. <laughs> so many different emotions. 
Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to actually listening to it, and uh, I hope that uh, th- this has been encouraging to you. Um, it's entirely what it's supposed to be. That's what he's after here at the end of Hebrews, just encourage yeah. you in your daily walk. So with that, I want to push on to our last week and encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We'll see you next week. Thank you.